This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill and I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Thomas, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland to look back on a memorable night for Everton Football Club. What a night it was for everyone associated with Everton Football Club as the Blues secured their Premier League safety with a massive 3-2 comeback victory over Crystal Palace at Goodison Park. We'll look back on the game itself and, of course, reflect on the celebrations that followed after Anthony Taylor blew his full-time whistle as Goodison erupted. But, Adam, I'll start with you first. What an incredible night that was at Goodison last night, mate. Absolutely insane. <laughs> insane. Like, it, it, it just followed the the typical Everton script that they just don't do it the easy way at all, do they? I think, you know, even right up to, you know, the, the coach welcome, I think, that... This uh, this coach welcome seemed to go much smoother than the others, which uh, which I think was a uh, was really good. I think the new coach route actually worked really well. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible beforehand. Uh, you've got Palace going two 0 up because of course they did uh, because Ever- Everton just wanted to uh, to make it everything just that little bit more nervy before the before they brought everybody uh, back up again. Uh, the, the, the scenes at half time were just. Just really bizarre, weren't they? Just like looking around the crowd, you seeing just a lot of devastated faces, a lot of faces just wondering what was a uh, what they were going to do. <laughs> Essentially, I've heard, I've heard stories of, of people actually leaving at half time just because they couldn't take it, which is you know, <laughs> which is just incredible, isn't it? And then you get you get what happens in the second half, and you just can't you can't write emotion like that. You, you you can't you can't buy it. You like you you wish you could just bottle up what happened uh, after Dominic Calvert Lewin's goal, after the full time whistle. You know those scenes on the pitch. You know you've already got the celebration police out of of course, but you know Everton you just don't need to listen to anybody else and what what they think about it because it was just a pure release of emotion after what's been such an absolutely despicably dreadful season. It's just been absolutely dismal for those. Fans who've been going to Goodison every week for those few thousand who've been going to the away games as, as well. It's it's just been absolutely awful for them, and uh, for them to be able to finally have that release of emotion was just was absolutely incredible. No, no more than they deserved. Uh, they took it out into into town as well in the night, and you know I think there's there's probably a few rough rough heads. Uh, trying to keep up to date with everything on social media today. But yeah, what an absolutely incredible occasion. Words fail me at this point, to be honest. Gav, Adam touched there on it in terms of the emotion and the occasion and as a a seasoned Goodison Park veteran, like that you are among us. (laughs) That is in no way a dig at at your age, but you know, (laughs) a lot longer longer than, than, than any of us. There's a, there's a real argument that was it that that was possibly good as his greatest ever night. Uh, well, only time will tell, won't it? I think some of it may hinge on where we kick on from here as well. If it, if it's the start of something in Everton, you know, have a have a rapid upward trajectory. Tell you what, I say trajectory after a few points that I missed. If we kick on and we we build on this then and it's the seems to start or something I'm sure it's it's right up there uh certainly I, I can't remember very few occasions like that um but that was only the second half as Adam said you wouldn't have said that in the first half would you really but yeah as as, as, a, as an at the end and you know we probably talk about the fans on the pitch later that was just incredible wasn't it seeing all them see your faces in the main stand. And hearing them, it was just, it was just amazing, wasn't it? Really, um, but yeah, I'll right, right up there. It, it's, it's going, you know, it'll, it could well be. But the, the last great night of Goodison, seeing that we're leaving in a, in a couple of years, maybe it could be even bigger ones. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been going fifty years. That's that's right up there. Any day or night game, really, in terms of. The ultimately the atmosphere and the results and the significance of it and the and the celebrations in the aftermath. Joe, before we touch on the game, you know, itself and, and all the drama that, that followed, 
it'd be wrong not to, for us not to reflect on the welcome that Everton received. No, Adam's touched on it already, but the, the coach welcome and the different routes, etc. But both you and me were on Goodison Road as the Blues arrived, and it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? And anyone who was there was, was right up for it, and and they knew, you know, anyone getting off that bus knew what playing for Everton meant to the supporters. It was absolutely sensational, and um, you know. Yeah, again, the supporters rallied when when the club needed them the most, and you know that shouldn't be the importance of that shouldn't be underestimated, uh, and nor should the fact that Everton fans kept doing it again and again when really the job could have been done against Brentford, could arguably have been done against Watford. You know, they just kept coming and coming and coming. It would have been so easy to have just gone. You know what? We just we just haven't got the energy to to do this one more time, or you know, it's just not always reflecting on the pitch but yeah they showed up and and yeah there's absolutely no doubt that those players can have any question about what what staying up meant and what that club means to the supporters i felt it, it felt more intense and it felt like it long it lasted longer than than any of the other welcomes i don't know if that's just because of where i was in the crowd or 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 what but it you know especially considering it was a night game but a night game you know in midweek you know to to, to have got the numbers that they did and for people to have turned out in, in in such a fashion, which is absolutely sensational, and you know, just we were on Goodison Road myself, and you saying your eyes just stinging, uh, throat stinging with the blue smoke. It was incredible. I wrote my match in my match report just about this, the moment that as the two coaches passed us, and you could just see the sun between the gap and the silhouettes. But rather than it being sunlight that came to you, the, the sky, the sun had just turned blue. <laughs> you know, it was just it was just absolutely phenomenal. It was. I think. Um, like a lot of people, I think when I, when I got home, had a shower and it looked like the shower it looked like a Smurf had melted. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those just just blew everywhere, and it was just it was just phenomenal. They really did set the tone, um, not just at the beginning, um, but they they did so again. You know, in the second half, when it just again it could have been, you know, it, it could have gone the other way. It was almost like after such a disappointing first forty-five minutes. It was almost like the fans realised, especially once the players started to get back into the game, thanks to a little bit because of the tactics change, momentum shifting. It almost felt like from about 55 minutes onwards, it's almost it's almost felt as if because obviously Arsenal is the away game. Felt like the fans almost realised this was the last chance they had to really have an impact on Everton's season. And you know, rather than sit there and, and sit there in despair. Um, what was going on on the on the pitch? Instead, they you know they they, they pulled into their reserves and and rallied around the side again and just managed to just pull them home. You know it was it was phenomenal. Adam, after the you know the, the team arrived and, and Everton were inside Goodison Park, all eyes were then on team news. And when it did drop an hour before the game, there was certainly certainly plenty of raised eyebrows in the press room. That Frank Lampard only made one and forced change, and my team come back and drive around waiting. And opted to stick with a two-man midfield, and that first forty-five minutes, all that plan massively backfired, didn't it? Because Everton just simply didn't get going in the middle of the park. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember saying to you and Joe before the match started that, like, I just didn't think that a two-man midfield was going to work. And I think you know, Ever, Ever, Everton had seen the evidence of that against Crystal Palace uh, at Selhurst Park twice already this season. You know, they travelled there with a, you know, uh, like the first time they went there, like. I, th- I think there were some sort of claims that it, it was a three-man midfield, but it wasn't. We had Andre Gomez playing as a number ten that day, which was a, a really sort of bizarre move. So it was, it was very much sort of like a two-man midfield, and Everton got overrun. Uh, it was even worse in the FA Cup game, really, after a, after a strong sort of twenty minutes to start the game. Uh, once Andros Townsend got injured, it kind of it kind of flipped the script a little bit, and again, Palace just seemed to easily danced their way through the Everton midfield. And I suppose I would have understood it a little bit more if Andre Gomez and Abdelai Zakore were in a bit of form, but they weren't. <laughs> like they, Against Brentford, I thought, you know, obviously you've got to uh, account for the fact that Everton were down to 10 men for a lot of that match. But I still think that even when it was 11 v 11, there were a lot of gaps in that midfield against Brentford. So it, it, it really did just strike me as... A little bit bizarre, and then you know, obviously in the first half there was nothing, there was nothing to change my mind that it was you know a, a bit of a, a bit of a wrong decision, especially Andre Gomez. He just looked, he looked a little bit lost at times, didn't he? You know, Palace were just having so much space, and they've done that to a lot of teams this season. To be fair to them, I think 
you know, obviously the summer that they had last year has really managed to change change their sort of style of play around really quickly, which has, you know, obviously been a, a, a huge benefit to them. And a, a lot of the way they play centres on how well they uh, managed to quickly play through the lines in midfield. And they were they were just able to do that with, with ease of points uh, in the first half yesterday. And I suppose... Well, you know, we, we've got a whole summer to analyse. You know what what could, what needs to happen in the future for for Everton. But uh, I, I suppose it it kind of it kind of highlights that there is a lot that needs to improve improve both in terms of the personnel that Everton have got in the uh, in the middle of the pitch. There, you know, the recruitment that Everton need to make uh, the system that Everton want to play, and uh, I, I suppose Frank Lampard tactically as well. I think that was. That was a tactical decision at the start yesterday that Frank Lampard will probably admit that he got wrong. And, uh, you know, he, he changed it around just before half-time. He put uh, Alex Iwobi into the uh, into the midfield. At half-time, he brought on Deli Alley. And obviously, those two are just so well, so good at carrying the ball, aren't they, and using possession going forward. And that was, that was the game-changer. So, you know, I think Lampard's got a lot to learn from that. I think the players themselves have got a lot to learn from that. And, you know, hopefully, if they can learn the lessons from that uh, that first forty-five minutes, it'll it'll stand them in good stead for the near future. Gav, obviously, you know many Evertonians would have expected Lampard to change things up because Everton see clearly wasn't working. But I think the Everton boss deserves credit for the way he acted and, and the way he changed things up and and the, and the, 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 the small tweaks that he made to get his side back into the game. Yeah, I think that I think this the original selection. Testimonies for the fact that obviously Alan is just in no fit shape to take go on the fifth football pitch at all. We spoke about why he wouldn't play Van der Beek on on Monday with him being on loan. So I think Alan must be really not fit even to entrust him with like a half against Brentford and even a half last night. Yeah, he changed it two 0 didn't he? Will be pushed up in in the first half and. Well, you've got to change. I mean, it's just an obvious one. I, I give him credit, but I, I, I suppose the credit you give him is like the, the changes that he made worked, didn't he? A will be good for, and I never thought a will be an inspirational in the same sense. It's not something you would have expected two or three months ago, and he has been. He was excellent when he moved forward. Ali produced the best forty-five minutes of his Everton career. No, that's not saying much, but he was excellent. Carrying the ball and he was he was smart and Gray also put in like the cross. So yeah, Lampard made the changes, but it's up to the players to do it, isn't it? Really, and the players adapted to those changes and adapted to the crowd, as we'll talk about. And uh, he got the desired results. So yeah, fair, fair play, fair play to Frank, but his hand was forced, wasn't it? Really, and uh, you know, as I say, you got to credit the players with making it happen. Joe, obviously Frank Lampard made the change half time. Andrew Gomez was replaced by by Deli Ali. I must admit, the you know obviously Alan seemed the obvious choice. I, I felt he might have took a punt on Donny Van Der Beek at the break. Obviously, depends on, on fitness, etc. But in the end, he, he decided to go with Ali. And you know the he's coming for a lot of criticism that the you know, the England man since has arrived at the club. But he really stood up to me last night and he really put a, a big shift in when uh, Everton needs it most. Yeah, he really did. I thought it was notable as well at half-time when, when he was sent out to warm up. And when he was sent out, it was obvious it, it had to be for Gomez, I think. Um, again, you know, when Goodison Park was you know in a state of such despair, 2-0 down, and bearing in mind that you know, there has been a little bit of cynicism towards the signing of Ali and, and whether or not there is a still a player in there that Elton can get the most out of. Um you know, it was notable that the, the, the crowd applauded him onto the pitch and the crowd gave him a good backing. You know, I think a lot of people say that Ali's a confidence player and, you know, even in that situation to have come on and to have been warmly received, even in those circumstances by the supporters, you know, may well have paved the way for him to put in the performance that he did. You know, it, it's interesting with Deli Ali. I don't I don't think we, we know the answer to the Deli Ali question yet, you know. Speaking to Lampard over the last few weeks, he's always he's always seen Deli Ali as a long term project. You know, he's, it was never anticipated that he would necessarily be able to come in and have an immediate impact because of the difficulties he's had uh, Tottenham over the last few years. 
Um, you know, I think I think in Frank's mind, and I think in the club's mind, the hope would be that you know the the spring had gone better, and the uh, it had been a situation where you know they were safe for four or five weeks ago, and you know he could Lampard would have the opportunity to bring Ali on in in non-pressure situations, whether that's because there's nothing riding on again. Or because Everton have actually put themselves in a position where they're you know two or three nil up in a game, and he can have half an hour, and Ali can be brought on bit by bit. That, that obviously hasn't happened. Um, and with all the pressures, the pressure's grown on the players, the pressure's grown on Lampard. Obviously, the pressure's grown on Ali to produce something as well. Um, he was given that opportunity yesterday. Lampard said after the game, you know, essentially it was it was for his energy and it was for his um, for his fitness as well. I think he was the most he was the in the best condition of the midfield options that were available obviously van der beek um, is coming back from injury and and lampard said that alan is still suffering with injury as well and just doesn't have doesn't have a full game in him basically um and i think that bringing out the on made sense in the sense that they had nothing to lose they, they had absolutely nothing to lose at that point they had to just go for it so you know, whether or not it was a bit of a Hail Mary, I'm not sure, but obviously it came off. And I think Ali, what he's done there is he's he's given us a, a glimpse of what we can potentially get from him going forward. You know, whether there's a player that can play 90 minutes, um, you know, week in, week out, whether it's whether he has the, the confidence to... I mean, it's difficult to know it with Alex. Obviously, there's lots of going on off you know, behind the scenes for him to have had the fall in his career that he has had. And it's just difficult to know how much of that is physical and how much of that is, is mental. And we may well not know for, for a long time. But what we saw yesterday was clearly that if he's got the fitness to be on the pitch, he's still got the, the technical ability to have an influence. He's still got the desire to have an influence. And if it's a confidence thing, then there's absolutely no reason why now he can't push on from that. He's just had 45 minutes where he's had, um, you know, he's helped to change the game in one of the biggest games in you know, Everton's modern history. So you, you would hope that if confidence was an issue, if it was a psychological thing, having had the back of the fans before he even came onto the pitch yesterday, and then you know, to produce performance he has now, and then hey, hear the the, you know, the praise that you know people like us and fans and pundits analysis are, are lavishing on him for his influence in the game, you'd hope that you know this could be a, a real stepping stone for him, and that he could become a you know a, a genuine, genuinely good long term signing for Everton. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, obviously Everton got back into the game with, with a finish from Michael Keane that was incredibly underrated, if, if you ask me. I think it's a fantastic yeah. finish that has been completely missed by everyone. Um, like a Joe Thomas on a Thursday night. <laughs> 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 it's, been, it's been completely missed that with a finish that was. And to show that composure inside the box, you know, when it matters most was with a bit of incredible skill by the centre-back, who's also coming for his first share of criticism this season. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to finish like it from a centre-back, because he, he has to he has to react very quickly to it, doesn't he? You know, it's a, it's a good header back from Holgate uh, to find him in the first place. And then once he has that touch, he does have a, a Palace player closing him down very, very quickly. He, he, he kind of just needs to throw his left foot at it almost and you know on his wrong foot to be able to uh stab the ball into the into one area of the net that Jack Butland uh, was never going to be able to get it. I think it was it was an absolutely incredible finish and as you say it shows the exact sort of composure that Everton needed inside the box in that sort of situation. And I think you know it it, it was testament to him, you know, a, a, a good reward for him after you know what you said is been quite a up and down sort of difficult season for him. Uh, it was really good for him to be able to to get that goal. But I think you know it, next to him in the defence. By the way, I think Mason Holgate is. Uh, I think his performances over the last few weeks have been really, really underrated. I think he's been he's been top quality over the last few weeks. You know, we talk about the likes of yeah, Richarlison and Alex Iwobi stepping up, and quite rightly so. But I think Mason Holgate. You know, especially with the defensive injuries and sort of chopping and changing that we've still had over the, over the last few weeks, uh, Holgate has been the consistent man in there. Uh, I think he's really shown some real leadership qualities. You know, he uh, 
he got that goal against Leicester, which he which he fully deserved. I think he's been, you know, yesterday I thought he was really physical. I thought his positioning was spot on. I think in the second half, particularly, you know, Palace really struggled to to get round him at all. And you know, this is this is the kind of Mason Holgate that we saw uh, throughout, you know, the, the first few months of Carlo Ancelotti. Really, isn't it? You know, maybe back end of all the first few months of Ancelotti. You know, when we were. You know, there were, there were some calls for Mason Holgate to get into the England squad because of because of how well he was playing at that time, and uh, you know it, it's not really worked out for him in the period since then. But yeah, he, he has really started to find his feet for me over the last few weeks, and you know if we can see that Mason Holgate on a more consistent basis, then he's, he he could be a real asset to Everton. So yeah, I, 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 I just thought that Mason Holgate deserved. Deserved a lot of praise because I think, it's, and, you know, again, last night I thought he was really, really solid in defence. You know, I think, you know, after 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 what was a bit of shambolic defending for the for the second goal, particularly, I think, uh, you know, the, the defenders really managed to pull it together in the in the second half. So, you know, fair play to all of them, but I think Mason Holgate over the last few weeks has really really stood out to me. Oh, obviously, I'll come to you next because you touched on this. Um, yourself last night on Twitter about Jordan Pickford's save. I think a two-one where Palace looked like they might be on the uh, as a third on the break. That's another moment that's obviously gone under the radar, understandably so. But again, when he was there, when needed, he was there to to pull Everton out the crap, wasn't he, Jordan Pickford, and and, and do his bit to make sure that his, his side had hope going into the last 20-25 minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, it was a big save at a big time in the game, wasn't it? Obviously, you know, Mateta had got through one of the only clear-cut opportunities that Crystal Palace did have in the in, in the second half. And, you know, obviously you hit the target and Pickford stayed strong, forced out for a corner. And, you know, it's just moments like that which just kept Everton in the game because, you know, after getting the goal back through, you know, Michael Keane obviously it lit the touch paper and all of a sudden, because a point did matter as well. So, you know, it wasn't, 2-1, need to go all out to win 3-2. It was 2-1, you know, 2-2 would take Everton a step forward because it mean a point at Arsenal as opposed to a win would have been enough to, to have kept them up. Um, so, you know, Pickford being able to make sure that that momentum was maintained and that the the fight back wasn't, you know, snuffled out at the, you know, early op- earliest opportunity by Palace, which is absolutely huge in, in, in going forward. And, you know, I think had Everton gone 3-1 down, it's difficult to see how they would have come back again. Gav, obviously, you know, Everton equalised, restored parity through Richarlison with a, a kind of fortunate deflexive finish, should we say. But I think the phrase, the roof came off Goodison, it quite <laughs> when Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored. But in terms of giving Evertonians hope and getting off their feet and getting them singing and getting them back behind the team, that goal lifted everyone's in inside Goodison Park. Yeah, yeah. I'd just say about Michael Keane, when he's used his left foot like Diego Maradona, you know, that you've... Got a chance, haven't you, really? Um, a bit like Barry Owen in 1994, producing something unexpected. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it was good that we got... I mean, it was 55 minutes, 2-1, and you, you, got, you then got the impression that we plenty of time here, you know. And I remember looking at the clock thinking 74 minutes and we're getting beat 2-1, thinking... We, we, we were talking about half-time, whether the draw would, was, was OK. And to be honest with you, I think all our brains were addled by whether it was or not at half time. So you're thinking you got to win here. And you're thinking two goals in 16 minutes is going to be a big ask. And yeah, it was the Charleston was a funny goal, wasn't it really? Not too some similarities both to Leicester. I think I think there was a deflection, uh, was there? Um that just took out the goalie's reach. And it was it was good play by Deli Ali and yeah and he, there was I, I felt when we got to two over 15 minutes left, you're just thinking there's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy going on here, uh, the way the game was going. And I was sort of quite relaxed at that point. And um, yeah, you, the, roof, the roof came off, didn't it? But I got the got the impression the first goal was probably the big one because of, because of its time and the fact it was after half time. But yeah, we had a two-all. I think, I think he'd taken a straw pole in the, in the ground then I think there would have been a hell of a lot of Everton fans saying we're going to score another one here before the uh, the game's up. You just get that sense of destiny then, don't you, really? And 
as you just saying, Palace weren't really threatening. Now that they had that opportunity, and that added to that sense of destiny, the fact that Pickford, not for the first time um, in the last few months, came to our rescue. Yeah, so roof was off, but I felt like that. I, I felt that was maybe because people thought we're going to win this now. Adam, it was Howard Kendall who famously said the galaxies will suck one in. Frank Lampard alluded to himself last night in the press conference we were at. But when Dominic Calvert-Lewin's header hit the back of the Gladys Street net, Goodison well and truly erupted, didn't he? I, 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 was, I was genuinely, like, after after the game yesterday, I was trying to think to myself when I've, when I've known Goodison Park to be like that after a goal. Like, the last the last time, well, I mean, Alec, Alex Awobis against Newcastle probably comes close, to be fair. That was that was absolute carnage. Uh, Romelu Lukaku against Chelsea in the FA Cup, that was... That was Bedlam. I was actually in the lower Gladys for that one. That was the, the, the one time that I've actually sat in the lower Gladys. That was a, it was a good time for me to choose. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the obvious, like, sort of Arteta against Fiorentina. I'm sure it was the same for Bayern Munich, although I wasn't wasn't there myself a bit. Like, my dad, my dad has often told me that the atmosphere there was, you know, one of the best that he's, that he's ever experienced. But like, it, it was just... Which is bed- I think I think Bedlam was was what I, was the word that I tweeted, and uh, it, it it was like it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Like it, it, imagine if he imagine if he'd been like a centimeter offside and VAR had disallowed that. Genuinely, as a went up, as a went up, as a just went down. There's nothing for me to say. There's nothing for me to do. Can I just interject there, Adam? I've spoken all season about consequences, sort of influencing VAR decisions. I think it being a tight one near the end, that could have gone either way. There was no way that a VAR official would have gone against Everton. Absolutely no yeah. chance. Yeah. No chance. And I felt that Taylor's sort of refereeing was sort mm-hmm. of like that a little bit, you know, but yeah. VAR. Yeah. We have to get it in. Have to get it in. <laughs> we couldn't have a row with a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, aside from the VAR, though, like I am really glad that it was Dominic Calvert Lewin who, uh, who who eventually got the goal. Uh, I don't think he got enough credit for his performance against Brentford. I thought he was actually quite good against Brentford, leading the line by himself, especially when we went down to ten men. You know, it's it's, it's a thankless task to be you know a lone striker in that sort of. Situation. I thought he was he was really good against Brentford. You know, he 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 got his goal. It's never going to win goal of the season or anything like that. But you know, you, you do wonder how much of an effect that might have had on his confidence. You know, it might have just given him that extra little yard, that extra, you know, that extra centimeter on his leap or something like that. Because you know, I think I tweeted yesterday as well. He won five aerial duels in the first thirteen minutes against Crystal Palace yesterday. One of them was a flick on which earned us, you know, that. That free kick just outside the box, box which Richarlison clicked the bar with. Thought he was just, he was just really important in occupying those Crystal Palace centre backs. Uh, Anderson and Gway, he they really struggled to contain him in terms of his physicality. He was looking to run the channels as much as possible. He was making sort of darting runs in behind the defence as well, which we haven't seen from him from a from a good long while. So I don't know whether it was just an amalgamation of him finally. Getting that match fitness, match sharpness, and that confidence back all together. But yeah, I'm, I'm I am delighted that it was that it was him because he's had he's had such a difficult season, hasn't he? And you know he's a, he's another one who you know uh, I think I think we can say that every Evan player has had their had their critics throughout the season, really, haven't we? But uh, he is another one who has had his critics, especially in uh, recent weeks and months after he's struggled with those, you know. T- sort of really annoying injury problems that have just kept him out for a week or two just after he'd come back into the side. So he'll be absolutely delighted <laughs> that he can end this, you know, as I described it yesterday, his season from hell with uh, finally being the man to be the Everton hero. Uh, he was the second man to ever get a 10 from me in the player ratings because he kept Everton in the Premier League. With his, <laughs> he, 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 was the man, he was the man who scored the goal to Everton in the Premier League. And that, that's... That's worthy of a ten in my book. So, yeah, I, I am I am really happy that it was that it was him who got that goal. Joe, Amber Adam, I think Calvert, I thought Calvert News absolutely outstanding last night. 
I thought he, he, his overall performance was really, really good. But for someone who's had so many critics and has so many questions asked about him, there's obviously been a lot of talk about his future Everton in terms of, you know, will he be at the club next season, etc. To produce the performance he did, to produce the moment he did, is testament to his character, isn't it? And Frank Lampard's character that he's been able to get, get his forwards up and firing when, whenever it needs them most and when it mattered most. Yeah, it, it is. It is. You know, I agree with what Adam said there. You know, I think he played well against Brentford. He had a big impact on that game. You know, certainly whilst, um, well, throughout the first half, really, because he won the he won the flick on that Richarlison and Gordon both nearly scored from at nil nil, and he, he won the flick on that Richarlison won the penalty for, even when Everton had um, we're down to well, down to ten men. Yeah, the the fact that he kept going it has been has been been superb. Um, he really did have an impact on the game last night. Obviously, you know there is, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility. That's his last good some part performance. Um, you know, obviously a lot of things are going to happen in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Frank's spoken about how much he wants to keep him and how much you know he how highly he rates Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, and you know. One of the things that he spoke about last night after the game was how moving forward, you know, he wants to be able to keep hold of some of Evans' biggest assets. But you know, we, we don't know how that one's going to play out. But if that is like his last moments at Goodison Park, then obviously it's a special one. You know, it's a special one that rounds off a, you know, a, a successful career, a, a, a successful spell at Everton anyway. So, you know, hopefully it's not the last time we see him because, you know, he's a type of strike that it would be difficult to replace. Um, but we'll guess we'll just have to see what happens there over the summer. But yeah, it was it was it was good to see him get on the score sheet and get on the score sheet in such an emphatic way as well. You know, obviously I know he, he got the goal credited to him against Brentford, but I mean that was just a, a little bit of a dubious goals panel kind of thing. And then especially with it coming in what ended up being a defeat was you know perhaps not as um you know there wasn't the glory as attached to it. But you know, there's, there's there's no doubt about that one last night. It was a fantastic header, and what, whatever happens, you know, it's it's a header that keeps Everton in the Premier League. It's a it's 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 a header that you know the the value you know it's well, it's priceless. You know, it's 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 the value of that goal potentially runs into you know tens and tens of millions of pounds when you think of how much it, it means to to you know, fall into the Championship these days. So, you know, it was it was great to see him do that, and it was great to see him have the spirit and the desire to. You know, carry on fighting even when the chips were down, and to you know, to get stuck in and you know provide such a big moment for everyone. Gav, there's just something about Everton number nine, Everton forwards scoring diving headers at the, the Gladys Street end, isn't he? And Calvert Lewin's the, the, the latest name to write his write his pieces, write his name to Everton folklore with that goal last night. Do you want to talk about Dixie Dean? You're making accusations that I've never seen. <laughs> 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 well, just the Kansas need any more to give us a Dixie Dean insight. So I mean, I, 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 miss, I miss Dave. I miss Dave Ixon as well. You know, you don't, they might find oh. some guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, diving Ed. I mean, diving Ed. This is such a lost art, isn't it? Really. It's not. I mean, to be fair to Calvin. Trying to think how many how many centre forwards you see scoring dive or how many players you see scoring diving headers these days. Not many. Um, it's it's one of them skills that's disappeared out of the out of the game. So not only do you, do you you know credit his character and all that, the, the technical skill to a you know dive amongst players and then be direct it you know away from the keeper, which he did, didn't he? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've seen several at that end. I won't tell you the first one I saw, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's face Andy Gray scored a couple there. Duncan's against uh, Man United, you know, but you know, there's there's been a few. Um, it, it, it's one of it, it, it is. It's like these symbolic Everton things, isn't it? Really, that you know, one one of the great Everton symbols is the number nine, isn't it? And it, it's it's like I remember writing this about the book in the eighties about like how the the Bayern Munich game was so symbolic because it captured so much of Everton's sort of character in a single game. You know, goodest under floodlights, atmosphere coming from behind. You know, against the odds, number nine score, and you know it it, it, it captured so many Everton symbols really in one game. And last night was exactly the same. 
to be honest with you, it, it captured a, a lot of hundred odd years of history in in one 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 ninety minutes. You know the things that we cherish about the club, and and a number nine scoring a diving header at the Gladstone's end is is part of that, isn't it? Really part of one of them great symbols of the of the club, and it makes it a great occasion when they like buy Munich, where they all happen at the at the same time. And um, I, I think that would probably be the most important one, I would imagine. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Adam, we'd already had fans on the pitch, players in the air after after Calvert Lewin's winner. But when Anthony Taylor blew his full time whistle, you said Bedlam broke out when Calvert Lewin scored. How the hell yeah. would you describe what we witnessed when that full time whistle went inside Goodison? Not going to lie, I was a bit annoyed. The fans ran on the pitch for the Calvert Lewin one because why would you want this? This season to last any longer, just <laughs> stay stay away for that bit. When the, when the game's finished, that's fine. And I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? You know, yeah. You know, we it's just an outpouring of relief and emotion. Yeah, I said it at the start of the podcast. It, it it's just Everton fans have just been dragged through the mire this this season. It's been it's been absolutely horrendous, hasn't it? And this is what this is the kind of thing that football is all about. You know, me and Joe were talking about it before, where we, you know, the, if you can't celebrate these sorts of things, then what what are you doing being a football fan? Essentially, the, the, these are the kind of moments that that you live for, you go the game for, you pay all the money for, you 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 dedicate your whole life to Everton to be able to cherish these sorts of moments and be able to revel in you know some sort of modicum of happiness. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there, Gav, so I'll come to you to talk about the post-match celebrations. <laughs> it was described earlier as the celebration police were out in force, um, criticising, should we say, Everton supporters for, for doing what they did last night after the game. But no Everton fan can really be mocked, can they, what they done last night. It was, it was just a, a kind of outpouring of relief that the club will be playing Premier League football next season. Yeah, and a bit more than that, isn't it? It was just celebrating being Everton supporters and sort of there's only a couple of years left at Goodison and and um, make the most of it. So I, I get all that. And, you know, I get the... When in, even after the second goal, you know, there was first goal, pitch invasions or whatever. I get that. And it was largely good-natured, but I think... Unfortunately, we need to frame it in the the pattern, certainly that you've seen this week and I've seen recently in football, that if you, if you get 10, 10 15,000 people on the pitch at one time, you're going to get a few idiots, aren't you? And unfortunately, that's a few idiots too many because you don't want any idiots on the pitch, do you, really? And, you know, we've all seen some of the images afterwards of, you know, Patrick Vieira and... Even even after one of the goals, somebody was trying to get a selfie was it with Sahar, was it? And I think there's some emerging stories that the Palace players weren't too happy about supporters being on the pitch after one of the goals during the game and that things were said. And and that's wrong. And, and I think we this don't think we've heard the last of this. And it, it may end up being a bit of a sour note and a bit of an unwanted sort of byproduct of, of the evening. But it's part of a wider thing in football that actually is it's very difficult to police, literally. Um, and that that's the big concern for me about, about last night is I don't think we've heard the last of it and the stuff that went on on the pitch that should not, not have been allowed to to go on. Um, that you can't just put down to good-natured, you know, banter or whatever. And um, that was, but that that's unfortunately, if you've got 20 odd thousand people on the pitch, that's always going to happen. And the worrying thing is, there's talk, isn't it, about a more liberal attitude to future future support, supporters in terms of, you know, uh, safe seating, being able to, to drink alcohol at your seat and all that type of stuff. But it seems like what we've seen, and opening out to this week, you know, sort of caught, well, obviously might make people think again about that but um having said all that i'm sitting in the main stand and i never ever take videos of the match ever afterwards you know what i mean it's just not my scene and i was taking about four videos you know with the singing and stuff it looked fantastic 
And I think, as you said, it was like it was like watching it through a, a blue filter, wasn't it? You know, like yeah. you know, like when you get them, you know, when there's a total eclipse of the sun and you get them like sort of like cards that are like blue or red, like that you watch the sun through. <laughs> like it was like watching it was like watching uh, watching the game through a blue filter, and it was um, that was that was just an. I mean, I've still kept it. The video was like incredible to see the the singing and all that on 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 the pitch at the end and uh, some some great tunes and uh, we all know the way to spirit of the blues now which is something I've learned. <laughs> it's a, it's a, the two things you say I take from this season I've learned is uh, blue smoke smells and and, and I know yeah. the lyrics to spirit of the blues after nearly 40 years you know but yeah it's great scenes at the end but I don't think we've heard the last of it and hopefully we can and satisfactorily resolve it. Joe, it wasn't just Everton's players, it wasn't just Everton's supporters, sorry, who were celebrating wildly. There were some pretty wild scenes from Frank Lampard, his coaching staff, Everton's players. Everyone involved the club just could not help but get involved, could be in, in them celebrations post-match. No, I mean, they've been, you know, mad not to have done, wouldn't they? I mean, if you can't get pulled into the emotion, because obviously they've been living it as well over the last, last few months. You know, we could, you know, talk all summer about, you know, how many of those players may be in their performances and how many you know, coaches and things like that may be responsible for the predicament that Everton found themselves in. But ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, these last few weeks, they've all come together and, you know, united for one cause. And, 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 and that has been successful at the end of the day. So, yeah, there's no doubt that those players have been feeling the pressure as well. And the coaches and the staff, you know, it's, it's, it's lively. It's at the end of the day, you know, they, you know, their, their, their futures depend on what happens on the pitch. So, you know, I think that the connection that's being brought between the, the fans and the players and the coaching staff has just been phenomenal over the last few weeks. And, you know, whatever it needs to be able to do now is harness that going forward and turn it into some momentum, which doesn't just work in this short term period and keep everything up, but works in the longer term and hopefully leads to, to, to far better days. Adam, Joe talked there about far better days. But in terms of them celebrations last night and what we witnessed from Everton supporters, that unity and that togetherness has got to be bottled now, hasn't it, and taken forward. And everyone's got to be as one because, like we've seen over the last six to eight weeks, when everyone comes together, Everton can be a real force on and off the pitch. Yeah, and I, and I think it's not just the fans as well. You, you saw it from the players, you know, Alex Wobey on his Snapchat shared and loads of videos of the scenes from, uh, from the changing room, which just looked absolutely class. I, I was... I was very impressed at how much, uh, how quickly they got bevies into that changing room. <laughs> all, all the players with the bottles in hand. I was, I was shocked that Frank Lampard didn't come in uh, to the press conference with a bevy. To be honest, <laughs> I, I, w- I was fully expecting him to have like a bottle of Starter Brown and with him or, or something like that. And I mean, but speaking of that press conference though, you, when when you've got Frank Lampard up there and you know Patrick Vieira was up there as well. Uh, just a little bit earlier on, but both of them were up there, and like probably it were. I was I was sat towards the back of the room, but you know the, the loudest thing that I could hear was the fans in the Winslow still, <laughs> still singing, still chanting. You know, filling the streets outside, filling the streets outside Goodison Park. And you're quite right. This is the kind of unity that has been missing. Uh, I, I suppose it well, it was missing certainly at the, the first half of the season, and we all know why that was the case, but. Frank Lampard has, has come in, and you know it, it's it shows a lot of intelligence on his part to be able to really connect with with that instantly. You know he's he's g'd the fans on in a, in exactly the right moments. You know he's he's spoken directly to them in the right sort of moments. He, he, he's he's never sort of hid away from his responsibilities, even when you know it it, it looked as dismal as it did. You know he he was still. You know, addressing the fans as honestly as possible, and you know, it, it, it sounds simple, but that's that's all the Evertonians want. That the Evertonians know the football, and they know when the you know you, you, you know when a manager is trying to pull the wool over their eyes, mm. I suppose. And Frank Lampard kind of got onto that as quickly as he possibly could, and he was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just gonna talk to these like the knowledgeable football fans that they are, and he's he's managed to uh, he's managed to help stoke up this uh, atmosphere as much as he possibly can as well and you know this this sense of unity you know, we saw we, we saw those those fans on the pitch yesterday you know the the wild celebrations just everybody hugging each other whether they 
whether they, they were your mate or somebody that you just met 10 seconds ago. And uh, that's, that's, that is the kind of atmosphere that you just don't want to waste, you know, that, that sort of positive energy, you know, welcoming the bus, uh, you know, in the, in this manner that they have been doing over the last few weeks. Everton can't let that go to waste. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, as I say, we've got a whole summer to kind of address how to do that in the near future, you know, what kind of changes need to be made right from the top all the way down as well. You know, we, we, we've, we've got weeks and weeks to be able to, uh, discuss that but I think you know the primary focus for Everton is you know you, you see all of those all of those scenes all of those happy faces yesterday you just cannot you, you can't throw that down the drain you've got to try and bottle that up as much as you possibly can and take that into next season so fingers crossed they find a way you find a way to do that. Gav it'd be, it'd be wrong for us not to touch on, on Frank Lampard in general yeah, after after last night and you know, he's had his tough moments since he arrived at the club. You know, he knew the two last night in the press conference himself after, you know, Burnley beat Watford before the Chelsea game and, and how, you know, the, the realisation hit home that, you know, Everton were banging trouble and, you know, we're facing the, the prospect of relegation. But it's been a long time, as they since Evertonians have really got behind the manager and, and, and you know, the, the phrase, he simply gets the coach being used a lot. But you see the, the, the passion last night and the togetherness between the fans and Lampard and, that's only a good thing, isn't it, for Everton moving forward that they've got a manager in place who, you know, the position supporters are right behind and they're giving their full back to. Yeah, yeah, he's got to, um, he's got to meet his side of the bargain now, hasn't he? And we've got to, we've got to get a decent team playing decent football at the, the start of the next season. I mean, it's all, it's all very well. You know, we, we, you know, he had two jobs to me, and he said this when he was appointed: keep us up. And then build for the, the longer term. So he's done his first job, which, which is, in some respects is probably the one that he's least suited to because it's all ad hoc and it's short term and you're going from game to game. So he's done that. And in terms of, you know, keeping that relationship, it's, it's you know, he's, he's averaged 1.1 point per game, is there something like that? So last night, but it's kept us up. If we've got 13 points from 13 games at the start of next season, it's a different relationship, isn't it? So he's got to uh, he's got to, to to show us from next season. This is Frank Lampard's vision of playing football in in the future. Hopefully, we can change a few things around, both within the club and outside, as Adam says. And as long as you do that and give some some hope for supporters, some some changes that they can hang on to, then yeah, that relationship stays the same and hopefully can grow. If it doesn't work and, you know, some of his, his, his management weaknesses are, are magnified, then it becomes a bit more strained. But the ball's in his court, uh, as we'll talk about during the summer, about what changes can be made. I don't... I, this togetherness that we're talking about is, is in response to the situation we have had over the last three or four months. Going forward, it's can still stay there, but it's a different relationship, isn't it? Because Frank needs to show show way forward and a way of developing developing the club using some of the you know the bedrock of what we've seen over the last three or four months. Joe, one thirty-seven a.m. this morning. A lot of Evertonians were still certainly alive and kicking and, and partying hard. What a tweet was posted by you know Richard, Everton star Richarlison taking aim at Jamie Carragher for you know comments he, he's he's clearly made off the Brazilian and, and Everton in general. It was an unusual step, should we say, but one that I think we're all, you know, intrigued as to why he's made. And you know, fair play to the lad; he's he's got every right to, to speak out, hasn't he, and say what he has, just as much as Carragher never do when they're doing pundits on Sky Sports. I wonder how long Richardson's had it saved in his drafts. You know, like <laughs> you know, yeah, for Brentford, thinking that this could be the time. This could be the time. Um, in fairness to Carragher, I think he's come out and said he, he fully accepts Richarlison having a bite, and you know says that he'd have done the same if social media was around during during his playing career. I think uh, yeah, Richarlison's one of those players that has been demonised by a lot of um, the, by the press and and by rival supporters over recent weeks. You know, I think for in the snapshots that they see of him, they yeah you know, they see as someone who's um, you know, quite temperamental and you know is spending a lot of time. You know, trying to buy fouls and, and 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 perhaps trick referees, and that I think anybody who's been watching him for ninety minutes, week in week out, will agree that he's actually been completely different to that. You know, when the 
you know, when the chips have been down, he's been just fighting and fighting and fighting all the way through. And he's, he has, to a large extent, dragged this team, or he's been one of the key figures that's dragged this team to, to safety, not just with his goals. Obviously, you know, the, the, the big ones, last minute win, um, equaliser against Leicester, uh, you know, the winner against Chelsea. Obviously, you know, there's the composure for the penalty against um, against Brentford. You know, there was a composure for under incredible pressure for the two penalties away away at Burnley, a game which he was really, really impressive in. Like he, you know, he he really did fight hard and caused Burnley all sorts of problems in that game. You know, even though obviously we know what happened with the results. You know, Richarlison has 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 really got stuck in at a time when it had been easy to have gone. You know what? my future probably isn't dependent on what happens to Everton. You know, I'm a Brazil international and if Everton go down, I'm sure that there'll be a, a long list of suitors who will know that they can get a bargain if, if, if Everton fall into the championship. But instead what he's done is he's, he's shown incredible commitment to the cause. And, you know, even when things have been at their worst, he's always been scrapping, always been fighting. It hasn't always been pretty. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, perhaps he does, yeah, he has gone down easily once or twice, but I mean, Again, anyone who's watched Everton over recent weeks or certainly over this season will will know so so many so many big decisions, so many fit, you know, at at best fifty fifties, you know, seem to keep going against Everton. You can understand why he, why you might um, you know try and emphasise or exaggerate contact because you know he's not getting the decisions on the pitch. You know, people say he exaggerated for the penalty. On Sunday, well, you know, he didn't go down when he got his shirt pulled. So, you know, it's a cause and effect, isn't it? So, you know, I think Richardson is, is every, he's earned the right to, to bite back bite back at his critics. You know, he's, he's, he's performed when the club really needed him. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, Joe says Dave Charleston's earned the right to, you know, bite back at his critics, but... He's not the only Everton star, you know, who's going for his critics this season. We've touched on many, many this afternoon. But is the pressure now for Everton's players to prove that they can stand up and be counted when something isn't on the line? They can just do it, you know, at the start of the season and, and hit the ground running. And it doesn't take them to be in a relegation battle. Supporters welcome team buses, you know, all that kind of, you know, extra stuff that's come in recently. It's the, it's the battle for them now to show that they can do it from the off and they don't need any extra motivation to... to, mm. to you know, to, to set the record straight and show that they, they are good players and they belong in the Premier League. Yeah, 100%. Well, for for those who are still going to be here, <laughs> that, that is because, you know, yeah, as you'd expect, you know, there's, there's probably going to be some sort of level of large clear out this this uh, this summer. So it's it's going to be interesting to see which of those players actually starts the season uh, uh, for Everton in August. But yeah, I, th- I think that message is absolutely spot on because... I think Frank Lampard touched on it as well yesterday. You know, you, you're not going to have these sort of mad scenes welcoming a coach uh, every every week of a season because why would you? It would absolutely diminish its impact. If uh, if you did do that, you're not going to have the sort of scenes of full time or you know, or anything uh, like that either. You, you know, you, you're going to have a set of passionate supporters there who are going to you know try and shout you on to. Any any sort of result you can get, and you know that's that's all that you can expect from from the fans, of course. But you know it, it, it is time for these players to now show that they can, you know, even even if they, there's a bit of a low atmosphere, they 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 can stand up and they can, you know, maybe inspire the fans more than more than the fan like the fans inspire them because you know let's be honest, throughout the last few seasons they just haven't really been able to do that. At all, I think you know it's it, it's no surprise that their waveform has has only been strong when all the games were getting played behind closed doors. <laughs> like they, they 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 do they do maybe feed on on the fans a little bit more than they really should, and they 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 need to be able to shut that out in a lot of respects and be able to perform to their best of their their abilities, regardless of what's going on in and around the stadium that they're. Uh, that they're playing in, whether that be Goodson or anywhere else in the Premier League. So, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of pressure on these players, I, w- I would say, uh, in throughout the summer and then heading into next season. Because, you know, it, as, as, I suppose the fact the fact that they've survived in the Premier League doesn't really prove anything 
in terms of their their actual qualities and where they can actually take Everton. Now, it's as you say, it's the time for them to be able to show that they can do this without having the uh, the crutch of the fans, I suppose. And they, they they need to they need to show that they can that they can perform regardless of what's going on around them. So you know, we've we've not really seen a lot of evidence of that over the last couple of seasons. So uh, let's hope they can prove us wrong. Gav, Everton's season didn't finish last night. They do have one more Premier League game remaining, which comes on Sunday away to Arsenal at the Emirates. But it's a free hit, obviously, for the Brews that they're safe. They've got nothing to worry about. They go there with the pressure off. Yeah. But it's important, though, isn't it, for, for Frank Lampard and the side to try and finish the season on a bit of a high and, and not, you know, get a bit of a, a pasting or, you know, a, a bit of a hammering and try and build, keep some momentum building ahead of next season, isn't it? You think the last time we went to Arsenal after we celebrated something well, we ended up getting beat seven nil? I was talking about that last night to, to one Juan yeah. Dunter of, of the Guardian, and, and he just said that he was there that night, and he said Moisés said, "I'm sorry." That was his, that was his post match comments. I'm sorry. He said yeah. it was it was very bleak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly different uh, vibe, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, well, for the start, there's still. How many places can we technically go up? One, is it? Yeah, we can only take Southampton. Yeah, two and a half million quid, that is a place, isn't it? That's, you know, you've got that, got that carrot, haven't you? Carrot and stick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, to be fair, it's about next season, isn't it, really? And players have still got to prove themselves, so that's part of that, you know, it's part of that plan. So I think it would be disrespectful if we just think, oh, the, the season's over with, let's take it easy. Uh, I would fully expect and want to say a, a, a totally committed performance as if like the match was still influencing our fight against relegation. Oh, I want to see the same intensity because that's what teams do. Good teams do, don't they? So, yeah, um, the, the, the other slightly different vibes to 2005. It's an enormous game for Arsenal as well, isn't it, in theory? So the pressure is now totally on them rather than being on both teams. So it'd be interesting to see how they play it. But yeah, in, in answer to your question, want to see a fully committed, strong team sent out on Sunday for well for, for, for potential financial reasons as much as anything else. Joe, do, do you think we'll see changes from Frank Lampard and to his side? Do you think he'll look to freshen things up and give one or two a rest and bring one or two in? Yeah, I think so. I think he'll you know make um, make a few changes, maybe try and give a few minutes to you know a few youngsters, even if not starting them, then then coming off the, off the bench. Um, obviously, we have to remember that the reality is Evan don't really have a lot of options. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the things that has characterised the the relegation battle is the amount of injuries that, that Everton have got. So, you know, just because Everton are now safe, that doesn't sort itself out ready for. For Sunday, so I mean, the, Lampard is probably limited to what he can do. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to maybe see if, if someone like Deli Ali gets started. I mean, imagine John Joe Kenny will start, I mean, you know, someone else will get a rest. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think, I think, you know, there, there's every chance there might be a bit of a hangover from, from tonight, you know, and I think that from uh, Thursday night, and I think that would, would be understandable. You know, it'd be nice to go there and, and to, to compete. Obviously, you know, there'll be. Lots of supporters down there that have made the journey and, and you know, deserve the respect of a competitive Everton performance. But I think that whatever happens on, on Sunday, I think the undercurrent, will, the understanding of everybody will be that, you know, ultimately what mattered has already been dealt with. And, you know, if anything, the season is effectively over now, I think. So, you know, so so we'll go to Arsenal, have a, have a nice stress-free day. If we can come away with something, then superb. If we come away and you know manage to leapfrog Southampton, then absolutely fantastic. Because you know, obviously, there is a financial incentive there, and, and that and that does matter. Uh, you know, as well as obviously not allowing, say, for instance, Burnley to, to to overtake us. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've seen the state of the accounts and things like that. Every penny clear or every million pounds certainly clearly does count. So, you know, it'd be good to go there and and to try and continue to ride the momentum from from last night but you know I, I don't I don't think it's going to be a you know a, a massive um, 
you know, go there and 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 try and try and slaughter Arsenal or anything like that. I think I think there'll be a degree of context to to the performance, to the lineup, and to and to the game. And you know, and I think everybody will understand that. Right, lads. Before we finish, we can't change a habit of a season. So for one last time, score predictions. Gav, <laughs> I'll start with you. Well, I'm not going to change it habit of the season because I'm obviously going to give the wrong prediction, aren't I? Really, you know. <laughs> I, I, by the way, did anybody put three two for a uh, two one? All right, okay, yeah. Ad's been known to pull the occasional rabbit out of the hat when it comes to obscure uh, scores. I, I haven't done a prediction for a while now. I'm excited yeah. for this one. Yeah, uh, this, as Joe says, it's it, it's could go. I thought, I'm afraid seven nil may be uh, <laughs> maybe I was uh, can I can I say defeat or do I just do me bottle job and do me standard one all when I'm, I haven't got a clue really what's going on, which is probably the, the case. I mean, Joe's right; it could be could be a completely different game, couldn't it? From what I was saying, uh, so on that bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one all because I'm bottling it as ever. Adam. Nine three to Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I, 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 I literally could not care less about this match. So yeah. Why not? Joe? Um, yeah. I, no, I think I think Arsenal I mean, you know, if news gets through to the Emirates that Tottenham are winning early, and bear in mind Tottenham only need a draw to guarantee fourth place. Then, then I think that really will suck the life out of out of Arsenal. Um, but I'm not going to go for an Everton win. I'm probably going to I'm going to copy Gav and go with 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 one each. But but just before we go, obviously, you know, we, we talked about predictions. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about matters on the on the pitch and um, and at Finch Farm. But if anyone gets a chance who's listening to this, um, you know, it's, it's really important to acknowledge that you know. Whilst we've seen success on the pitch in terms of the short-term narrative of, of, of staying up this season, you know that, that comes against the backdrop of a you know of a much larger picture, and you know the reality being obviously you know clubs such as Everton shouldn't really be in the situation that they've been in where they've needed to 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 go to the penultimate game of the season to secure their safety. So if anyone gets the opportunity to read it, the Echo's done a a big open letter to to Everton and to the board, which is available online and and in the paper really just essentially setting out that what we've seen not just over the past few months but over the past few years just isn't really acceptable and that you know the club needs to take a good hard look at the way things have been way matters have been conducted over recent years because you know the fans do deserve better and, and after the fans have played you know the club makes such a such a, a song and dance rightly so you know about you know, how much of a, a, of a community asset Everton is now it's more than a football club um, and, and how much the fans mean to to, to, to Everton Wall, we'll, you know, we've seen such an incredible reaction from from the fans over recent weeks to to help pull Everton clear. They've had the patience, they've had the, you know, the desire, the resilience to support this while the battle's still been ongoing. But what the club mustn't do now is it, it mustn't see that achieving the very bare minimum of expectations of staying up this season as as any kind of, of success. You know, if, if Everton are going to push on from here on the pitch, they need to push on from here off the pitch as well. Um, and that means asking some hard questions about you know how things have been, how business has been conducted, and what needs to do be done going forward. Because you know if they don't take a serious look at what thing what's happened over the past you know five or six years, then that really would be taken for granted. The the fans that have rallied behind them in in their hour of need. So if you if you get the opportunity, folks, just uh, go online. We've all been sharing it online on, on Twitter today, um, and it's prominent on the Echo website, or or obviously buy it buy a paper as well, because you know hopefully you'll see that um, in that at the very least there's a there's 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 an effort from from us to kind of say that we understand the the you know, the what the fans have been going through over recent years, and and that it's not good enough, and that you know we're on their side when we when we say that things obviously need to change. Can, can I just add? I've, I've read the piece, Joe, and it, it, it's it's essential listening if you're an Evan Evan supporter, and I'm I'm glad that you've summed up eighty Royal Blue podcasts that we've done this season in one <laughs> one document. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it is seriously it, it's great reading and um, very perceptive and um, very thought provoking and gives us plenty to chew over under the the long summer weeks. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Gav. Connor, what's your prediction for Sunday? 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> Come on. What's everyone doing? <laughs> I think I think we'll, we'll just You'll all be sorry when it's 9-3. You'll all come crying to me. Well, I just haven't got a pound on it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> right, gents, we will leave things there. We'll be back, of course, on Monday to look back on Everton's game at Arsenal the season on the whole and, and, and reviewing and, and dissect what we've, we've witnessed from Everton in these past few months, which I think we can all agree have been pretty incredible, insane and full of drama. But yeah, we will be back on Monday for another edition of the Royal Blue podcast. But from myself, Gav, Joe and Adam, thanks for listening this afternoon and watching on Facebook Live and we will be back with you very soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.